Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to all you moms and those who came with your moms. I'm so glad you're here. To prepare our hearts to consider the gift and calling of grace and forgiveness, I have two readings for you this morning, one from deep in the Old Testament and one from the New. Please stand for a reading from God's Word. We're going to begin with Genesis chapter 50. If you have your Bibles with you, that's great. I, I love to see that, a hands-on Bible experience. Uh, and, and God may speak to you in a different way through his word than what I say, because that's how the word works, through the spirit. There may be something that God has for you in the word today that it's not even part of my message. So meanwhile, we'll spend time in Genesis chapter 50. We're going to look at verses 15 through 21. And then we're going to turn over to the gospel of Luke 23. Hear this. Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we have done to him? So they approached Joseph saying, your father gave instructions before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of your servants of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept. And they fell down before him, and they said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So you have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. And in this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Next reading is from Luke 23. This is Jesus on the cross. In verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We began a series last week called A uh, Season of Second Chances, A Season of Second Chances. So you can thank me for the outbreak of sunshine today because it's all about a season of second chances. We're talking about living and giving grace and forgiveness to others, giving, living and giving uh, grace and forgiveness to others as we have been forgiven. So out of the fountain of forgiveness, we forgive and give to others. Now, last week, began with kind of a, a, a strong cup of coffee. Maybe you like it black. I do. Pinch of raw sugar. It was a warning from Jesus about harboring offenses. Jesus said many will stumble into, at some point, many will fall by way of being offended. And that'll give uh, breeding to hatred. And hatred and unforgiveness are incompatible to gospel living. Hatred and unforgiveness are incompatible with gospel living. And in the last days, Jesus said, many will be falling away by the spirit of offense. It'll be in abundance. So this series is a heart check for us 
in our culture where we're so easily uh, prideful in our opinion and in our own right living. And when something goes wrong in a relationship, usually it's because they're wrong and I was right. And we affirm people. I've, I've seen this even in my own relationships where somebody's been wrong or there's a conflict among friends. And what do you do when the friend tells you what the other person did? You say, I know, they're terrible. They're terrible, even though you know they might have done something wrong too. We affirm that. Rather than saying, well, maybe you were at fault here too. Is there anything we can do to help bring grace and forgiveness and reconciliation? We live in a culture that very easily cancels anyone that says something that feels offensive to me. Are you getting where I'm at? There's a spirit of offense that's really abundant today. We can, we can so easily just hit that button and block and report. So today, how does or how could God use or maybe purpose, depending on if that's your, your theology, relational conflicts in our lives. How could God use them or maybe even have purpose for them to teach us and to mature us in the way of living and giving grace and forgiveness? You get that? How could God use it or maybe purpose that conflicts to help us grow in this area of grace and forgiveness? And then how can we, through the grace of God that we know in Jesus Christ, experience grace and forgiveness for those in our lives that maybe we have conflict that are big picture conflicts, big picture conflicts. I'm going to explain that to you in just a bit as we look back at the story of Joseph. What I'm doing is calling us out from a season of unforgiveness and maybe bitterness and anger. Maybe you have sitting in your back pocket or like that weird piece of meat that you stuck in the freezer so long ago that just sits there and it's no longer edible, but it's just there taking up space. Unforgiveness and bitterness can do that to you. And it can start to feel like the season never changes. I don't know about you, but again, I've been super frustrated with the weather. I can't hide that fact. So many people are, are happy, you know, if you lived around here longer than I have, you get used to it. But the rain just never seems to stop and it's always been gray. It feels like it's been gray for like the last nine or ten years. I haven't lived here that long. But I was saying this, this feeling of like, when, when is spring going to come? Is maybe a good metaphor for any one of us who are feeling in our spirit. When is a new season going to come? Like I go to, go to church or, or I experience the you know, resurrection Sunday and he's, he's risen. He's risen indeed and there's such joy and, and the worship. And you're just like, I, I'm here but I can't participate. There's like something blocking me from engaging in the spirit. There's something blocking me from engaging in like joyful worship or feeling fully alive in my spirit. It could be that you're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness that you haven't even checked it. Maybe something that comes up not regularly. Maybe you've done really good at kind of throwing in the deep, deep freezer that's still there and it's holding you back. It's keeping you from changing to a new season of second chances. And if that's true, if you're starting to feel that, that tingle up your back, let me pray for us right now. Because God is going to do a work in our hearts today. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for these ancient words that you get to reflect on from the Old Testament and the New. Father, there's such a rich story of grace and forgiveness that we get to be a part of. Thank you, Jesus. 
And Lord, I pray that as we talk about the stuff of unforgiveness and maybe unresolved conflict in our stories, whether we're young today, whether we're sitting here, we're still a student at, at, at school, or, or we're an older person with, with a long story of, of trials and, and betrayal in our lives, Father, we all can, can learn something here about how do we give grace and forgiveness. Maybe we're here this morning, we've already had a conflict this morning on Mother's Day, and we wonder why, why do we have that this morning of all days? By your spirit, by your word, Lord, would you call us all to desire to live and give grace and forgiveness in a season of second chances. Amen. Back to the story of Joseph. It's an epic, epic story if you've ever read it. It goes from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50. It's a rich and big story, and I'm going to cheap out today. This is going to be a bad summary of it because it's such a great story. It's got really wonderful tale to it. So tomorrow I'm going to begin because I was like, I got to read this thing over again. Uh, I'm going to do a Bible reading. I'm on always a Bible app. If you're on it too, you can QR. We're throwing QR codes at you like crazy today. Please sign up for kids ministry, by the way. We need you. It's going to be great. And who doesn't want to hang out with Miriam? She's awesome. But I'm going to start 11-day read through the, uh, the book of uh, Genesis, the story of Joseph. I'd love for you to join me on that. So please sign up. I'll walk with you. We'll read it together. We can comment, pray for each other, and just see how God moves through this rich and great story. I'm going to give you a super cheap summary of it right now, like executive summary. But it's going to be really, really short. And uh, I feel bad because I think that one day I might be in the kingdom of heaven. And I'll, there'll be Joseph and people are like, hey, check it out. It's Joseph. It's Joseph. And I'll go over and be like, hey, Joseph, no way. It's you. It's so good to meet you. And he's going to say, hey, that's you. I know you. You talked about my story that day. You know, I lived a big thing and you just took it and you just summarized it in like two seconds. That's really rude. I'm like, Don't, Joseph, I'm so sorry. Can you please, you know, forgive me? Because, you know, you're Joseph. And he's going to say, yeah, yeah, it's okay, man. I, I forgive. It's okay. But hey. No. Short executive summary. He was the younger son of Jacob, born in his old age, highly favored and decorated with this beautiful coat of many colors. Maybe you've heard that part. But he tended to lord over his siblings with his status before his God, and he would even share these dreams that he would have about them bowing down before him. And it was probably really annoying. I think it was kind of annoying if you read the story. And the brothers, of course, they took great offense to this, and they began to look for an opportunity to get rid of him out of jealousy. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Let's get him. So they get him and beat him and throw him in a pit, and then they sell him out to slaves that are going by, a slave trade that's going by. They're going to actually sell their brother out in a literal sense, and he's cast off into who knows where, as good as dead, into slavery. And then they go and they tell his dad, who again loved him so much, hey, guess what, Joseph, I think he died like an animal might have got him. Here's the coat of many colors, and it had blood all over it. Sorry, I think he's dead. And that's where he was to them for many, many years. In slavery, he was sent to live in an Egyptian officer's home where he was sexually harassed by the officer's wife. But he didn't give in to it. But later, he was falsely accused of assaulting her and then thrown into prison for probably 12 years. 12 years. It's a long time for a young guy. He had a couple of chances to demonstrate his gift of being able to interpret dreams and visions. But overall, for 12 years, he was just languishing in prison where the days seemed long and the years did not fly by. 
But if you read the story, you don't get a sense in his heart that there's any bitterness as these years slowly tick off. Finally, though, he is called to assist the Pharaoh with understanding a profound vision that the Pharaoh has that keeps him up. And he's like, I've got to get somebody that can tell me what this means. I can tell it's really important. And he calls Joseph in. Joseph uses his gift to, to help him out and to give him the answer to what he was looking for. And the Pharaoh is so impressed with him, he gives him great responsibility. And later he is in a high authority over Egypt, which is amazing because he started off like in the mailroom as a slave. And now he's like up there, CFO, he's doing great. And a famine breaks out in the land just like he said it would. So now there's this famine and he's got this opportunity and he's doing well at managing the resources. But the famine is so severe that people are coming from around because they know that Egypt has food. And that's where the brothers come back into his story. Years and years later, they come seeking his assistance with food. But here's the shocking part. They don't recognize that it's him. It's been so long, and how would you expect that the guy that you sold out into slaves would be this guy that's at high authority in the nation there? And so they don't really recognize him. And there's this kind of this weird teasing back and forth as Joseph is shocked that they're there, and, and there's, there's some testing that happens. But it's been so long since they've seen him, they're basically certain that he's dead. And maybe this guy kind of bears a slight resentment. No, it can't possibly be. Joseph demonstrates to them through a series of tests that he clearly has power and clearly has authority to get revenge on them and even to control their freedom. This is it. Their necks are stretched out and he can get them back. But instead, instead, he shows them grace and forgiveness. This is where you get that classic, classic quote. Maybe you've heard that before. What you intended for harm, God intended for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. This is how he put me here through this trial, through your uh, offense to me, through your betrayal, through your selling me out. This is how God put me here in this place to bless many people, and he's doing it. See it? Can you imagine the shock? I mean, I don't, uh, there's never been a great movie about this because I don't think you can capture this that well. It's such an amazing amazing story. Have no fear, he says. I'll provide for you and your children. He was kind. And he was kind. After all of that, he was kind. This is a season of second chances. Now, some of us may have in our story someone significant to us that has burned us betrayed us, sold us out, talked bad about us when we trusted them, was in a covenant to, to take care of us and failed, used their power to, to manipulate or abuse, let down our trust. Some of us may have those stories. Maybe most of us do somewhere. Even Again, if you're even young, it can, it, it can be there. People that we trusted, would we show that kind of grace if given the opportunity to redeem would we show that kind of grace? Now, you might do what I do, which is like, yeah, but I'm not Joseph, for sure. Like, I'm not that dude. I mean, he's literally in the Bible. And he's in the Bible because he was gracious and he was obviously very forgiving. If he wasn't, probably wouldn't have been in the Bible, you know. So he's a Bible guy. I'm not a Bible guy. I'm just Simon. I don't have that, you know, connection with God. That's, that's not me, right? And, and maybe that's true. I'll tell you what, though. Joseph, for sure, for whatever trials you've had, 
an iPad, and I've got mine. It wasn't that bad. That's pretty bad. Getting sold out, thrown into slavery, and wrongly imprisoned for 12 years. There's those kind of stories out there. They're pretty rare. Your pain is your pain. My pain is my pain. His pain is his pain. That's pretty deep. But here's the thing about stories like this in Scripture. They're not there to point us towards Joseph's great character. They're not there so we can look at Joseph and go, well, he's awesome, and I guess I'm just not that good. No. The story is there not so we can look at Joseph's character, but so we can understand God's character amid the trial. They point us to God's trustworthiness and, uh, and, and usefulness in profound trials just like Joseph endured. And God used, or if your theology allows, even purposed the portrayal of Joseph by his brothers to bring about a new kind of goodness in him. He was a jerk when he was a kid. And now he, God humbled him and, and helped him develop that in him. And then he trusted God. And he saw him through it all. God used, or again, if you allow, purposed the betrayal of Joseph to shape his heart in humility and for kingdom service. God used the betrayal of Joseph in his life to prepare him to share in God's story of grace and forgiveness. And we get to read it here today. This is a picture of what I call big picture forgiveness. Big picture forgiveness. And I call it that because it's forgiveness and grace that we need to extend in big characters in our lives. People that are inescapable to your life story. Good place to start be like your parents, your mom, your dad, or your grandparents, or an aunt, an uncle, or cousin, or sibling. Oh, let's start talking about sibling strife, right? Big picture forgiveness. Where it's like people in my life that God put there in my life story that I can't escape from it. I didn't choose them. They were kind of chosen in my story, and, and they're a big, you know, a spouse would be another big one, a big picture forgiveness, or maybe even an ex-spouse, big picture forgiveness, people that are those constant figures in our lives, major, major figures in our lives, in our story. Now, about those kind of things, typically what I hear is when, you know, and we all have these things, big picture forgiveness, characters in our lives that we need to forgive, and like, I'm working on that, Simon, I'm working on that. I know I need to try to forgive them. I'm working on it. Here's one thing for you. And this is, again, from my heart and from what God has, has led me through and what I've read. Forgiveness is not the end of the process that we're trying to get to. It's not like we're working on trying to forgive and then one day, whew, I might actually get there. It's not the end of the process. Forgiveness and grace is at the beginning of the process. Healing for an injustice in a big-picture relationship actually begins with forgiveness and grace. And then we learn to live out of that forgiveness and grace in a season of second chances. You see this, in the, this grace in the story of Joseph and what he did to his brothers. He forgave them, and it bridged or it healed the injustice that he experienced from his brothers. Forgiveness wasn't the final step that he had hoped to arrive to someday after he got to know them better and they talked about it and, you know, went over all the details and what did you feel and why did you do? And he just began with forgiveness because forgiveness is the first and essential step to experiencing justice and peace and healing. You tracking? Forgiveness begins the process of healing. It's not at the end of the process. This is how we forgive others as we have been, say it, forgiven. 
Because we begin with forgiveness and grace, and then we learn to live out of that forgiveness and grace at a season of second chances. Great book that I've been reading for a while. I'm literally chewing on this book. I'm going to eat this book. Okay, Everett Worthington, awesome name. Hope to meet him someday too. Uh, PhD uh, all over the place on, on, on Christian forgiveness. He writes this, forgiveness, forgiveness helps us transcend, like come over, layer over the injustice gap. The injustice gap is like what's been wrong. He, he just talks so great, doesn't he? Forgiveness transcends the injustice gap. It takes away that unrelenting pressure that the injustice exerts on us. In other words, what has been wrong? Forgiveness takes away that pressure. And you feel that, right, when you think about being, having been done wrong. Deciding to forgive, he says, is what God requires of us. Experiencing the personal peace, season of second chances, experiencing the pers- personal peace of emotional forgiveness is what God desires of us. Do you see the sequence of that, though? It begins with what God wants of us. Forgiveness. He said, deciding to forgive is what God requires. This is where it begins. Then we experience the emotional peace, personal peace of emotional forgiveness. Season of second chances. Super summary. Maybe the the best words today. These, these, These hit me hard today. God doesn't forgive us if we forgive others. God forgives us so we can forgive others. God doesn't forgive us if we forgive us our sins as we would forgive. I'm working on that. What's that mean? If I don't forgive, then you're not going to? No, God forgives us in Christ, on the cross, empty tomb, so we're able to give forgiveness. Now, you can also see in this that the forgiveness realized. Like, I get it. I get it. You were there. You were on the cross for me. You bled out and died for me. For all my junk, all my sin, you died. I get it. I get it. And I get to give it. We're forgiven so we can forgive others. So with the time we have, I want to go over how we can experience big picture forgiveness. Because it's we, we can find it in many of our stories. You know, again, I've got mine. You probably have yours. Doesn't matter how old you are. We can have, how can we experience big picture forgiveness? Number one is we look to God's presence over the pain. We look to God's presence over the short story, or the, not short, the story we have of our pain. It's exactly what Joseph did. He was prideful. He's kind of a jerk. I had this dream a guy was going to bow down to me, blah, you know. And then he was sold out in prison. But God was with him the whole time. God was with him the whole time. All through those years of imprisonment and, and, and wrongful use and, and waiting for freedom, like wait to get out. And then even after he got out, he sensed God's presence was over him. And I wonder at times, like as he was going through this character change, because you definitely see a character. I hope you get to read the story. Start in Genesis 37 and join me if you can. You'll see a character change. There's a shift in him over those years as God is present over his story. And I wonder at times that he ever wonder, like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in me through this? This has been helpful for me when I've been in conflict, even little things. Like, God, what are you showing me? What are you trying to show me? Is there something here I need to learn? Remember how we talked about when you meet somebody that's in conflict, like especially a good friend or something, they come to you, they're like, well, she said this about me. And they're like, she did, she's horrible. Like, well, maybe actually there's something God is showing you that you need to work on too. It's really trusting God 
in the situation, like seeing his presence over the pain. We're saying, God, is there something here that you're trying to check my heart in? Because this hurts. Is there something here that I'm maybe loving too much or I'm being too vulnerable? Or, Lord, how can you help me? Search my heart, Lord. Search my heart. I have this in my own life, a, a big picture hardship. And that for me is my dad's abandonment uh, before I was born. Like he left us pretty bad. So I was raised by a mother with a broken heart. And I, 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 know, that, I know that now. Like, I know that now, but it's, I, I just, I didn't really realize at the time. I knew there was something off, but she definitely was raised by a mom with a broken heart because dad, dad left us before I was born. And at times, this, this not having a dad, this broken covenant was like a dark cloud over my life. You know, there were so many times that I just wish I had a dad to talk to or encourage me or, you know, correct me or, you know, knock me in the head to go, go the right way. I just didn't have that. And so it was like this dark cloud kind of always pressed over my my, my life at times, you know, and one of the ways that I've tried to get, get through that is knowing that, and, you know, this is even before I was a believer, like, maybe there's a God out there somewhere, you know, above the dark clouds. That's how I get through winter around here, by the way. You know, it might be super cloudy for, like, endless whatever, and I'm looking up at the clouds, and I'm like, okay, but I know it's sunny up there somewhere. I know the sun is still shining somewhere. It's just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And that's exactly how it is with God. It may be super cloudy in your life because of the trial you're going through, that relational struggle you have, but God is still present over that. Even on the darkest, cloudiest days, he's still there. He's still there, and he's going to lead us through it. This is echoed in, in Hebrews chapter 12 when it says, keep looking to Jesus. He's the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our story of faith. He's working on you who for the sake of the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he's there at the right seat of the hand in the throne room of God. He's still there. He's still, the sun is still shining, even in the dark clouds of betrayal or trial or conflict in your life. Second, this is, this is what I mean to look to the presence of God in our pain. The second one is to try and see the conflict from the other person's point of view which we don't do that much. We tend to, we tend to emote like what, I, what was wrong, what I got wrong. Like, I feel bad. Let me hear my pain. But it can help to look at the other person's point of view, point of perspective. You know, Jesus, Joseph, again, he wasn't the humblest big brother. His brothers, though, came in. They were starving. There was such a severe famine. They were starving. And he was compassionate to them. See, so often we can write people off in our lives that have hurt us as they're just plain evil or bad. Well, guess what that can lead to? judging because we'll say well they'll never change no i've given them shots and they've never changed they're never going to oops that would be judging but instead to try to see the conflict from their point of view recognizing we're all broken we none of us love in a way that god has designed us to that he's wired us for and desires us for this this was helpful with my dad um jesus said back to that moment on the cross father forgive them they don't know what they're doing father forgive them they don't even know what they're doing and absolutely they knew what they were doing they were nailing to the cross but he's like no a deeper level they didn't even know what they were doing this really helped me with my dad as i began to explore his story he's the smaller guy with the scowl uh it's the earliest picture i know of him he lost his own dad pretty tragically through divorce and then death that's his, his brother that he used to hide behind a lot he's taller older, bigger brother's protector who signed up to serve his country, lying about his age, went off to the war and was killed pretty instantly. And that was a deep, deep, deep grief in my dad's life. He'd still weep about it at his older age. 
And I began to see, like, from his point of view, why he had this inability to connect and to trust and to love and to be gracious and kind and have that. I, I began to see it. And that, that helped begin me down a process of empathy that began to stir up grace. Look, I know it's weird that I'm talking about dads on Mother's Day, but what, what do you expect, me to throw my mom under the bus today? She was horrible. No, I'll tell you real quick. My, my brother, he has the same story my mom, conflict, resolved, that I have my dad. Isn't that happen sometimes in families? You're like, somebody will have a conflict with this person, but the other person's like, no, they're great. You know, It's just different. But I'm going <laughs> to throw mom under the bus on Mother's Day. Um, this leads me to point three. Uh, then we're going to go to a heart check. Seek for ways to extend grace and forgiveness. Looking at my dad's story began to create some empathy in my heart that stirred up towards grace. Begin, begin to pray for a vision of what grace might look like in your story. Remember Joseph's dream where he's like, one day you guys are going to all bow down to me. And they did. But he didn't use that as an opportunity like he thought to lord over them. Ah, now I got you. They bowed down to him humbly and he forgave them. So what does a vision of restoration look like in your big picture story? It may be a sibling. It may be a parent or an uncle. Or aunt. What, what, can you begin to pray? Just pray. Lord, you give me a vision for what it might look like for us to have grace and, and forgiveness in, in this relationship. This, this was uh, Joseph as he welcomed uh, the family back into his house. Uh, he welcomed them. So dad had died, and he welcomed the brothers in. And he's like, you know what? Don't have any fear. I'm going to provide for you. You can live with me. Now that, again, this is where you're like, wow, that's Joseph. I don't know if I want everyone I've had conflict living with me, but okay. I'll provide for you and even your little ones. This is the way he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. What's a vision you might have for what forgiveness and grace might look like? See, for me, it came down to a time when I was trying to stay neutral about it. It was just like we were kind of cold to each other for, for many, many years. And then I sort of ha started having kids, and he kept wanting us to see, a, see him more and be nice. And, but I'd always keep a distance. We'd go to the family gathering. Hey, Dad. Hey, I'm going to go talk to my brother. And he noticed that. He picked it up. And then at one point, we had this, this out where he was like, you hate me. You hate me because I was not there for you. I was like, no, Dad, I don't hate you. I just, you weren't there. And I'm just kind of numb to it, you know. No, 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 you hate me. You hate me because I wasn't there when you were a kid. And you hated me. And I'm like, no, I don't hate you, Dad. I don't hate you. I just, this is hurtful. I just don't need you. I got other dads in my life, thanks. Some good ones. Good dad figures that God had put in my life. I don't need you. But that was mean. You hate me. I said, no, Dad, I don't. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you and I love you. And let's just start over. Let's just start over, okay? I forgive you and I love you. Let's just start over. And we did. We just started over. And it just was better. Like, it wasn't like ever, you know, we weren't ever throwing the baseball together. <laughs> it was better. We, we got along and it was, there, was, there was love there and grace. One of the ways that I choose to honor him is by taking, even in his brokenness, the best of him, and just be intentional about being a dad today in my, my own walk, like just trying to be the dad that I wish I could have had all those times, because those are not just my kids, they're God's kids, but they're also his grandkids. Come into my house, Joseph said. 
you and your children, and it'll be okay. What does big picture forgiveness look like for you? Who do you think of? Can you look to God and see how he's been present over that story? Maybe there's something he's working on with you. Maybe there's something he's trying to shape in you. Maybe there's another way to see that story, to recognize that he's there. Have you ever tried that, to maybe see that conflict through their point of view, their perspective? Are you praying, seeking for what restoration, what reconciliation might look like? Let's, let's take a heart check, and then we're going to respond in worship. I have the worship team come back up here right now. This is Psalm 51. And just if you want to put your head down a little bit and just pray and let God speak to you as we pray this prayer, just a heart check. Asking God to have mercy on me, O Lord, have mercy on us. According to your steadfast love, your always present love. And according to your abundant mercy and grace, Lord, will you begin to clean out any transgressions? Any transgressions that I've done or any transgressions that have been done to me? And Lord, just like the spring rains, will you wash us thoroughly from any iniquity? Will you clean, cleanse us, heart and soul, from our sin, which includes the sin of unforgiveness and bitterness? I remind you, God doesn't forgive us if we forgive others. God forgives us so we can forgive others. And for that, he deserves our praise. He deserves our praise and our thanks. Let's stand and worship.